2: This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Look, setting the pace with Alex and Fochi, Alex and Fochi, Alex and, Alex. And, if I put out Jackson in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call out your top three, call out your top three. Look at the switch from buddy here. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton run the point. This is the benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the plot. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number
0: one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth.
2: All right, everybody, welcome to Rebuilding the Washington Wizards. I've got Wizards fan Tony East, Michael Focci here. <laughs> I am in a sandwich, and we are going to talk all things Bradley Bealton. I'm just kidding. Welcome to Setting the Pace, everybody. i got Tony East, Michael Focci here with me. We're going to have a good time talking about the Pacers. Uh, but, yeah, people don't always know this, but Tony grew up as a Wizards fan. Michael Focci is a fake Wizards fan that I made up, and uh just had to throw it out there. But it's we finally got the real Wizards fan versus the fake one. But, Tony, how you doing, man?
3: I'm crushed, man. All the Wizards players from my time when I actually like cheered for the team are gone now. And they got the most depressing return ever for Bradley Fields. So it's been uh, it's been tough. But now I have I have no fan attachment to any of the players, and I really believe in their front office. Uh, on a personal level, I'm doing great, though, outside yes. of that.
2: <laughs> I mean, you did kind of have some big news happen. I think it was last week, New York City. I, I mean, did. I did. Uh, you got a ring before the Nuggets did. So. By one
3: day, baby.
2: Let's go. So, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Aaron Gordon. Uh, Tony East got you beat there.
3: Oh, Alex, I gotta give you props. We talked about this for forever. I was never an Aaron Gordon fan, and you always were. And Still am. his first year with the Nuggets, he wasn't very good, and
4: since then, he's been amazing. So,
3: ups to you. I was wrong. Alex well, I,
4: has been on that train for quite
2: some time. Forever, I, had yeah. him, I had to give him his flowers recently <laughs> because Aaron Gordon did blossom, so it was, was awesome Gordon. for them he just had to be in the right role. He was always playing the wrong role, trying to play a position of, you know, be the guy. And that's just not who he is. He is a guy that's a great complimentary piece. Uh, and I think if he would have been on the Pacers, he probably would have had a too big of a role as well. Yeah. <laughs> <So> it probably <laughs> wouldn't have worked. So, you know, I'm glad that uh, the Magic and the Nuggets found a trade that worked and made me look good later, you know, five years later, whatever it's been since I've been on this train. But yeah, so we've been rambling, all of us have on podcasts about these drafts prospects but i'll go to you first tony i mean you've been at a lot of these workouts a lot of these interviews i guess we could say fit aside you know talent aside has there been a couple of guys that have just been like very interesting that you've talked to when you've been there at uh, at the media sessions just for that part yeah that's the most interesting
3: part to you honestly like i know the pacers probably think the same way too like they've they've studied these kids since they were like 14 right like one workout it's, it's very hard to, for me to imagine that the, someone comes in the building and the way they actually play in the workout makes the team go, wow. You know what I mean? like yeah. It's probably like the interviews or their mentality. like They love that Ben came back in. That was a big story last year. right In the interview sessions, uh, two players I loved chat- chatting with. One, actually both of them I think are really good. One that I have really high over everybody else is Gigi Jackson. Uh, he was really funny. I think you guys will probably watched his interview on youtube his dad's a pastor so he came ready with some some funny quotes that his dad's passed down to him through the years and just very self-reflective like understood that he was like a really immature kid his entire freshman year Uh, i think that is good i think that uh, awareness is good and the other person i really enjoyed talking to and the way he spoke the way he kind of talked about himself was noah clowney uh from from alabama who actually when I was watching Brandon Miller, I was like, oh, this Clowney guy's pretty good.
1: Um,
3: so I have him in my top 20 also because I finally ranked players today. Uh, those are the two that I think I enjoyed talking to the most. Obviously, I'm an IU fan, so smiled when Trace was in town. But uh, those are the two names in the non-IU IU player section that I was like, oh, that was awesome. Those guys were great. And you
4: know, When you talk about how only getting one look at these players doesn't really feel like enough. The one player the Pacers did get two looks at, Tumani Kamara. Um, from Dayton, yeah. most mock drafts have him going in the fifties. Do you think it was kind of odd that he was the one player to work out twice for the Pacers this year? Eh,
3: yes and no, I guess. You know, if you're if they like you enough to bring you back, like that's got to feel good for a guy who um, may not even get drafted. But he told us today. I don't know if this is posted by the team yet. He's had two workouts with three teams. He did two for Boston as well, and I can't remember the third one now. Uh, off the top of my head but you know he's kind of like perfect if you're gonna have a guy return who's so so sometimes teams have like guys ready to come in if like someone backs out or something like that like for local kids he's not local though uh but like if you can get somebody in because you want max lewis to work against another prospect and he's available great bring him in right and he, he is talented enough to do that They he did say that you know he had positive conversations with the team his stats are solid like the size is exactly what the team needs basically so You know, for a young forward who hit 36% of his threes and averaged 14 and nine, great. Yeah, you want to get a look at that guy as much as you want, but logistically it makes sense. And sometimes it could be hard to find guys who are willing to work out this close to the draft. You don't want to get hurt. You know, you already know where you're probably going to go, or at least like the range. So, um, yeah, I do do think it shows some level of interest, certainly. uh, But at the same time, there's a lot of other reasons it could have been the case. All
2: right. Last Friday, Asar Thompson was supposed to come in town for an individual workout. Uh, The team posted it and then very quickly deleted it within like the next hour. Do you have any more information on why that was canceled? And uh, maybe just give me your thoughts on Asar as a prospect. Yeah, uh, big fan.
3: (laughs) We'll get there. Um, I don't know why. Could be a number of things. Like we were talking to Ryan Carr today in our media availability. He's the vice president of player personnel. He kind of just explained that it's just kind of timing didn't work out in terms of like him letting them know before the announcement went out. Um, But he didn't say the reason could be a number of them, right? Scott put a few of them in his piece about it. Like maybe he has a minor injury. Although I feel like that would have gotten out if that's the case. Perhaps he just knows his range really well and is comfortable with it uh, or has a promise, right? And that's always the guess. I think promises are, Way, 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 way more rare than the public thinks they are. Like, I bet there's maybe one a year. Um, They're just stupid. Like, if you're a team and, like, it gets to your pick and you promised a guy but someone you love is also available, it's like, dang, you you really want to shoot yourself in the foot? I don't know. I'm rambling about nothing. So there could be a number of reasons, and also it's just so close to the draft. If it's unnecessary, you never know. He met with the Pacers at the Combine, right? So they've already talked to him before. Um, There's any number of reasons that it could have been the case. I would have liked to have met him more in that setting and asked him more about ote because i you know at the combine when i did get to talk to him there's like 40 reporters around him right like every lotto dude there um also i think he's super good um i have him sixth i debated putting him fifth athletic can kind of create can kind of shoot can really defend can really cut uh he there's a lot of upside there and his floor is pretty solid because he developed a shot over the course of the season with ote uh yeah big fan <laughs> i think he'd fit pretty well with the pacers too
4: yeah that that was disappointing to see that cancellation but you talked about some of the interviews that you very much enjoyed out of the 16 workouts that the pacers held Ooh, yeah. what do you feel like which workout do you feel maybe created the most buzz leaving you feeling like okay you know what the pacers probably would be leaning in that direction
3: Ooh, i'm not sure if eddie felt particularly buzzy or unbuzzy. that's a good question um leonard miller was the guy we saw do the most work with rick i believe at the end they were working on shooting stuff i think all every beat reporter in the room posted a picture of it so i think it's uh pretty well documented at this stage i think we saw rick work with cam whitmore Mm -hmm. a little bit as well uh they were definitely chatting for a while and tyrese was at that one in his normal little perch (laughs) looking over everything I wouldn't say that any of them I I thought, you know, wow, this feels like way different than the rest, if that makes any sense, because we can only see the like, when we come in, they just finished the intense drills, like maybe they're shooting free throws, but usually the prospect is just shaking hands with everybody in the room and um, talking to various people. There's like probably 15, 20 scouts, execs, whoever in there. So it's kind of hard to tell if anything is significantly different, especially because like in the workouts with six guys, if one guy goes to shake everybody's hand, all of them feel like they have to do it. So then they're all doing it. So then it doesn't stand out anymore, right? So it's like it's kind of hard to get a feel for what isn't isn't unusual or what doesn't does not stand out. But uh, you know, those, those little moments with Carlisle always stand out to me, just because I know he really really enjoys them and. I know he had the one with Leonard Miller because I remember it really well, Uh, and I believe I remember him talking a little bit with Cam Whitmore, though. Oh, yes, I found the picture of it, yeah, but I don't remember. Yeah, they weren't actually doing any court work at that time.
2: Well, I'm a notable uh, big Leonard Miller fan, so that would be (laughs) someone I would not be upset if they... What's his
3: number for you? I actually have a ranking now, so I can compare.
2: You know, I don't even remember. I think I had him at like 11 when we did our Pacers big board, but that didn't include Wimbanyama, so that'd be 12 (laughs) then, I guess you could say. Uh, I was higher on Gigi Jackson. He was seven for me. I I like the talent a lot there. Oh, wow, I just, wow.
3: I thought I was high on both those guys. They're not that
2: high for me. No, it's, I'm, but I was also looking from a Pacers perspective too. So, yeah, it's true. like, uh, you know, looking at fours is a big deal for me <laughs> when evaluating these guys. But, uh, you talk about Tyrese being there. I'm, sh- I'm sure we all saw the photos of him in different workouts and stuff like that. But how big of a voice do you think he actually has with what the Pacers decide to do with pick seven and, Potentially trading it, whatever they do with it.
3: I actually like the way KP talked about Tyrese's input at his ex-interview. Right, he wants to hear his input, but not like have it be the biggest driving factor because then it, it it's like a lot of pressure. And then if something goes wrong, it's like this is Tyrese's fault. Like you don't ever want that to be the case. So KP's still the decision maker, front office still has the final say. But I mean you have to take his opinion into account, that's how the NBA is now, and he is basketball genius level of IQ of player. Like he understands what other players aren't and aren't good at. And it's a good recruiter like Ryan Carr, again, to bring up his interview from today. Again, talked about, I asked him about Ty, how Tyrese kind of plays in the process, both because he's so good, right? And how that changes the way you approach the draft and because he's involved. And, you know, he just has this like recruiter's mentality that, you know, players know about him and know about his game and are interested to hear what he has to say, uh, which for prospects is significant, right? They end up enjoying their time with the Pacers a little bit. So it like, could be nice for exhibit 10 guys or in general, feeling good about their fit with the Pacers can always be good throughout this process. And he's a good talent evaluator, right? I, I think at least he <laughs> wanted the team to draft Ben, according to reporting last year, right? And hey, they have Ben and he was pretty good. So uh, yeah, I think his involvement is good. Uh, I think it says a lot about how good the team thinks he can be and how much he is important to their identity and seeing him around, seeing what he, he was doing was was fun for me to watch too. I just I'm curious how he feels about it, right? Does he feel any pressure? Does he just feel like a part of the system? But uh really cool to see.
4: Yeah, we were fortunate enough to have a couple prospects on the show, uh, Deron Holmes and Muhammad Gay. And when they talked about, when I asked, "What do you know about the Pacers?" The first thing they mentioned Tyrese Halliburton. So you could see he is that player that everybody is now really aware of compared to maybe in the past where you might have been a bit more general talking about, "Hey, they got a good team," or this, this, and that. But you talked about your rankings, just from your specific rankings. No right or wrong. How would you rank the following of like Cam Whitmore, Jarrus Walker, and a Taylor Hendricks? What
3: I have them uh back to back to back. Fitting that oh, you would well, say that. Uh, guess the order. It is. It is. Uh, hang on, let me double check. Seven, eight, nine is where I have those three players. Guess who is seven?
4: Um, the Cam Whitmore?
3: It is not. At seven. I have Jarris 7th. Okay. I Jaris Jaris. Seventh.
4: Yeah. I, seventh. Uh, I didn't know uh, if you were just going to go with like a consensus overall of how they have it. So I'd love to hear how you have yours at 7, 8, 9. What do you
3: got? Yeah, Jar- I have Jarris at 7 and Hendricks at 8 and then Whitmore at 9. Myself, I think Whitmore is one of the guys I'm the farthest from the consensus on in I general. And I don't really know why because I think I'm just too mathy sometimes like – when I watched him, I was like, dang, this guy obviously is pretty good. And when I talked about him with Sam Ferris for this podcast, I do, you know, we both agreed that like his combination of athleticism and power and speed is like so unique, so rare. Like you'd never see that in a prospect. It, it helps him on both ends. And then you look and he's like, not the greatest shooter. He doesn't get to the line that much. His finishing's just okay. You know, it's like, where's he really going to pop? on offense and maybe he just does maybe he can just be a great sub creator because he's so powerful and athletic but maybe he doesn't and I just don't know how to to feel about that whereas with Hendricks and Walker I feel really good about their defense like I feel really good about them being at least an impact part on one end of the floor when they're at their peak and in Walker's case I think he's got some creation upside and can be a really good bruising kind of screener type and obviously Hendricks is a wonderful shooter (laughs) I don't know where you guys feel about his upside necessarily but a lot of it stems out from his shooting so that's that's seven eight nine for me those three guys but i think it's important to note they're all the same color which means they're in the same tier so i i don't separate them by that
2: much and i would understand
3: picking any of them of course
2: yeah cam whitmore is an interesting prospect i think his fit with benedict is very redundant so that's, yeah, it's also true yes so that's part of the reason why i've soured on him quite a bit i've even said recently on this pot i would take anthony black over cam Whitmore if the Pacers were at seven and both were on the board just because of I that do that reason. for a lot of different reasons, but yes, I know, <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm just saying defensively ball mover, like it just makes more sense what they're trying to do. But the idea of Cam Whitmore popping with like, a team like Detroit does make me a little bit nervous for the Pacers moving forward <laughs> with already having Ivy and Cade Cunningham and Durin. So it's like, okay, they could be really good if things all pan out the way they're supposed to. But uh, between Hendricks and Walker, that's kind of been the big talking point here. Yep. I've, been very pro Taylor Hendricks over Jairus Walker, but I think if Jairus Walker can establish a three point shot, almost every other thing in terms of like what you're looking at, I think he's got the upper edge over Taylor Hendricks. And in terms of like, you know, assets, what he brings, uh, attribute type things, maybe, maybe Hendricks is a better secondary run protector than uh, Jairus, but it's, you know, other than that, everything else, like the passing, the on-ball defense, I think that there's probably more of an upside with Jairus there. So to me, this is a tough one for the Pacers because I know Rick values shooting a lot, and I value shooting a lot, but is shooting a tad bit overrated or is it not? Uh,
3: I think sometimes it's overvalued, um, but it it's all contextual, right? Like Grady Dick shooting is so important because everything else he's good at is because of how he's defended because of his three Whereas Taylor Hendricks doesn't necessarily have that part of his game. Obviously he's a much better defender. I think Hendricks is going to be better than Grady Dick, but you know, Grady Dick can like shot fake put on the floor twice around his defender and like make the defense panic and do stuff. And that's, you know, that's his shooting super important. So of course it's very valuable for him. Where like with other guys, it's maybe not so much. And yeah, I think that's a big part of Walker's development. That's interesting to me. Like he doesn't necessarily project to be this awesome shooter. Right. So you got to wonder what that looks like for him on offense. If he'll be, Defended by fives, or if he can just settle in kind of like Dad Young was in the pros and still be defended by fours and be just enough from like 10 feet in the dunker spot spots and make good decisions around the rim and be a helpful screener. And that had that one year with the Pacers where he like couldn't miss a three until he messed up his wrist. Um, that was obviously just one season, but you know, all that little stuff I think it's gonna matter for Walker quite a bit, but like he finishes well around the pain. I like that he's able to put the ball on the floor and attack to put pressure on the rim a little bit better. Than Hendricks there's just like a lot of stuff that I'm 10% higher on him than Hendricks for that's why I separate them but I, I again they're so close that like I would understand both picks right especially for a team that like we're, we're talking about offense so much here they just need defense so bad right just mm-hmm. <laughs> they're both good defensive players who cares about the offense at some point
4: Yeah I think the Pacers at pick 7 are in such a good spot to be able to get one of those three players that we mentioned between yeah. you know, Jairus Walker Taylor Hendricks Cam Whitmore it feels that one of them will be there but There's also now, um, you know, smoke screen rumors, whatever you want to call it. The Pacers could potentially trade that pick. What are you in favor of? Are you in favor of, you know, keeping at this pace and develop with this young crew, or maybe speed it up and look to trade seven. If there's a, the the right available package out there.
3: I definitely would keep at the same slower pace. I, I always think slower pace is better for rebuilds. To be honest, it's very rare that I think teams need to speed it up. Uh, Detroit tried to speed it up last year, didn't didn't go so well. For example, obviously injuries were a massive massive part of that. I don't want to say that, but even when they were healthy, they didn't look very good. Um and and they'll be fine. But either way, you know, it, they're you know, there's never a perfect time, right? If the Patriots went for it, I would get it. But I always think if you can just get a few more assets, they've got cap space to do it. Got a lot of picks, like get the right stuff in your building. Evaluate for one more year, figure out who fits with who. Do you need another lottery pick or are you right there? And then go for it. That's how I kind of feel personally. Get more time with Ben and Tyrese starting together maybe. But I, I understand, Like, I feel really wishy-washy about their offseason, which is terrible. I'm supposed to have takes, right? That's how media is these days. But you know, it's not like they're, they're in such an interesting spot where they have so much flexibility and they had such a strong first year of a rebuild that like, they can almost do no wrong. Like They can mess up. And like regret some things in the future, but like no path they could take is not justifiable. I think that says a lot about their situation. And I I would understand a lot of things they did, but if I were in charge, I would continue going a little slower, pick at seven, you know, spend the least you can try to trade for some stuff into your space to add a few more assets, and then maybe you'll go for it next year or the year
2: after would be kind of how I would manage this. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, do you think this team, with how they've talked about you know, the playoffs kind of being the goal? I know Tyree said that on Twitter, and then the Pacers retweeted it from their account, and you know, it feels like when Chad Buchanan was on our show, he said, based on what's available to us is the direction we'll head. Right. I mean, do you think they're rushing this a little bit? Because last year was really year one. I mean, I guess you could say it was like a year and a half now we've started the rebuild since they traded away Sabonis and Levert and uh, Brogdon in the summer. But it just feels to me like this team – is still trying to figure out what direction they want to head
3: yeah it's interesting i think that i would like part of the reason it i feel like they could go for it more than maybe i feel like they should is like in the last three years they've done like two coaching changes and wholesale roster changes and three lottery picks like that sounds kind of bad right like the the fan base might be in a in a some fans at least you know i don't I don't necessarily interact with a ton of fans, but might be like, you oh, know, let's go. It's time to go. Like there hasn't been a playoff game in a while. They got run off the floor in that playing game against the Wizards. Like they got swept in the playoffs the last time they were there. Like, I think some might feel that time to go for it, even though they, they talked about this long-term approach last summer. Like all that stuff is true where they've kind of been floundering, not pathetically, but just like not great <laughs> for these last couple of years. So I think that could be a factor for wanting to accelerate a little bit as well, even though, The era of the team they're currently in, they traded for Halliburton in February of 2022, right? Yeah. So 16 months, like that's nothing. But at the same time, there was the whole Bjorken year before that, the whole season, you know, where they traded Vic, uh, you know, uh, or excuse me, the whole first start of the Rick season where they started off okay, the COVID year is, I guess, a better way to put it. And then they had a million replacement players and that season fell apart. And, you know, it's just been a while since they were truly in the playoff mix in like february march even into the postseason itself obviously so yeah there's good good argument in going for it in that way uh but yeah it's it's still very fresh for the rebuild like it's, it's all there's so many weird swirling factors right it's just hard to exactly say like this is the obvious path last year it was super easy right they were not good and they had high pick keep going but now it's not so easy to figure that out and that's where i think this is where front office people get paid right you got to make tough decisions
4: Oh, exactly. Look, uh, you know, while the Pacers have a lot of flexibility, they did overachieve to an extent which now has some unrealistic expectations of, hey, look, we can put together a team real quick, you know, slap a bandaid on it and let's go. But you talked about having a slower pace. Is there a situation where you'd be all right with if the Pacers perhaps maybe traded down? Perhaps maybe if it's a situation with like Utah where you could trade from seven to maybe nine... Maybe you throw in another pick and you get 16, anything like that where you're more consolidating your picks, but picking more in that nine to 16 range, or is it, Hey, let's go with the best player available.
3: I, I think that'd be smart, right? Especially the way this draft's kind of shaken out to your wise from pick your cutoff five to nine, whatever. I, you know, there's, you talked about a lot of the guys already um, like Walker Hendricks, Whitmore could be pick seven through nine. And like, then it's just Thompson, Black, Miller, Henderson, Wembenyama. We've already named nine players, right? Like, are two Thompsons? I guess, <laughs> yeah. but we've already named nine players, right? Like, in theory, if you trade back to nine, you're still guaranteed one of those guys. So, I think that would be smart, especially if you can get sixteen. And the way the new CBA set up, like this, these rookie scale deals that are a little cheaper are really valuable, right? Like, I've, I'll talk about this in my own show that's coming out tomorrow, but. I think a clever draft idea for the Pacers could be, if they can't get the consolidation trade they like, try to trade 26 and 29 for just like a 2026 or 2027 first, right? Because at that point, Matherin's expensive. Halburn's expensive. Whoever you pick this year's coming up for their expensive part. Get an extra first then. Get an extra rookie who's cheap in at that time, right? Why not do something like that? Like there's a lot of ways they can be clever with their picks that make a lot of sense to me. But what you just said with Utah would be a great idea, I think, right? Young talents in the new CBA is incredibly helpful and important.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of teams, too, that don't have picks this year that could be interested in getting back into the draft. And I think that's where the Pacers could really target that.
3: You just saw the Nuggets do kind of exactly what I just described. Sorry, Mm -hmm. That's kind of exactly why they would do something like that.
2: Yeah, and I I think the Knicks make a lot of sense for this particular situation. Maybe Boston, uh, just trying to add some talent maybe on the end there. But, yeah, so let me ask you this. Cleveland,
3: yeah. yeah, Maybe Um, trading
2: their pick back. (laughs) That'd be funny. They need like to uh, yeah, like two they're of the kind teams of teams that for... you mentioned. Cavs and Celtics, hey, we got your picks,
1: you know. <laughs> yeah. Take them back, we'll Put those out
2: into funny. the next tier or whatever. But uh no, let me let me ask you this because we kind of know that for sure it feels like the the core of this team starts with Tyrese and Benedict. But if you had to put a third person to be a part of this core moving forward, who would you pick for that third person?
3: Look, their third best player is Miles Turner, right? If you wanted to say Miles Turner is the answer, great, that sounds good to me. Uh, he also only has two years left on his contract. Andrew Nemhard has at least three. However, after two years, if they decline his fourth-year option, he's a restricted free agent, and then that could be up to as many as seven or eight years with Nemhard. So I could understand both. If you're talking about a young core, which is a phrase used a lot, I would say, Andrew, if you're talking about a core as in the team's best players, the ones you're kind of short-term building around, I would say miles. So... I almost want to make your question about four people, but you said three. So uh, if they uh, go I'm for purposely. it next year, yeah, yeah, you you did a good job there. If they go for it a little next year and they want to make the postseason, uh, Miles Turner's my answer. If they continue to, to slow play a little bit, my answer is Andrew Nembhard. I just copped out of your question so hard. So, yes, you did. So thank you
2: for letting me do that. You, you You pulled a KP. You talked in circles to not answer my no,
3: question.
2: No, I gave some answers. But I was just saying, if you had to pick the core – you know who would you uh, what are we
3: talking about an apple core a, a reactor yeah. core <laughs> we're,
2: we're talking about a pacer's core <laughs> i gotta i gotta talk in cir- circles even more
3: i can't think of any other cores this isn't good um yeah i don't well, know. Uh, oh, oh uh, uh, my core is not very good i need to, to be in the gym a little bit harder yeah my uh then i guess my answer is miles turner okay, I, yeah. okay. he's only 27 he's still talented a, yeah keep going sorry
4: yeah hey two years on the deal entering his prime right now but you know there's certain dates on the year where trades are maybe most likely to happen draft night typically one of those days do you feel this is when the pacers might look to perhaps move a player such as a buddy healed or chris duarte and if so which one do you feel is most likely to be moved on draft night
3: oh yeah that would be the time to do it and i think Usually, I think, like, the pre-draft trade chatter is a little, like, actually, I mean, you guys know this. Like, it's always a little overblown, but this year, because the trade rules changed significantly nine days after the draft, I actually think it could be more active because teams will be able to legally do stuff on the 22nd that they can't do on the 1st. Like, the Beal trade already, the Suns were like, let's go. (laughs) We can't do this if we wait till July. Um, So, I think that that... That could make it a more active in general, late June. Like you could see a lot more stuff done before the league year flips, Pacers included. And, you know, some of that's just because of their roster crunch. As for the two players you said, I think Duarte is the more likely to be moved of those two, uh, which is strange because it's such a good first year, but he had such a down year last year. And at the same time, Neesmith really emerged, Nemhard really emerged, and Matherin emerged. And those guys are also kind of can play the two and the three. Uh, so like the where? how many minutes is he even going to get next year? Whereas buddy, it's very obvious. And even if you have the reason, the argument for buddy is, is obvious, right? Like he is one year left on his deal. Maybe he's not on the team in 12 months, but I feel like Duarte is just more like, like he's just more likely to be squeezed out in a way that isn't the case with buddy. And, you know, there's more teams. I feel like that could trade for Chris Duarte because at his best, he can help a good team now. And he's still an inexperienced developing player so you have a kind of a swath of teams that are developing and good versus for buddy healed you're just kind of limited to contenders so i would say Duarte's more likely although i don't know exactly i feel like you can get more value for healed certainly and mm-hmm. uh expiring contract veterans you got to think about trades if you're any team in the league
2: yeah i was gonna say with duarte's value being so low right now you might not get much back as well uh, in return. So that could be the only hiccup there with trying to trade him is just people not valuing him as much. If you would have traded him last offseason, I think his value would have been much higher. You probably would have got a lot better of a return. So maybe you try to recoup that value by just keeping him for another year and seeing what happens. And maybe at the deadline he's playing great and you move him if he's not really like a long term fit. But uh yeah well, so- I agree
3: ahead. that his value right now is as low as it might ever might ever be. <clears throat> but the reason I included that part about his minutes next year is like how much can he even rehab his value if he's playing, True. you know, 10, 12 minutes a game, right? It's really tricky. It's really tricky. But the same thing goes for Healed, where his value is probably really high right now. Yep. And if he's not playing as much because Ben is starting, maybe that isn't as high, especially come February, where the word rental will start being thrown around. Like, it again, we go back to the same thing I said earlier, where it's like, they could do so many things that I would go, yep, I get it, <laughs> you know, yep. and that, and that that makes it good for discussion, but hard to kind of weave what makes the most sense for them as a path. All right, I'm gonna
2: put you on the spot here a little bit because <laughs> okay. I'm uh, I'm curious your thoughts. There's been a lot of like different names tied to the Pacers, but maybe give me your top three trade targets that you've heard tied to the Pacers, even going back to maybe at the deadline last year. That makes sense for them to pursue via the trade market.
3: Have we heard three <laughs> trade
2: targets? Well, we've at least heard two. Ananobi
3: uh, for sure. Who's the other one?
2: Uh, just, uh, Jonathan Kaminga. What,
3: I might have missed that. Raphael
2: Barlow put that out in his article today. Oh, been no, floated out there and said that. Was that uh, today? Yeah, he put it out today in his article. Mm. And uh, he basically said that the Pacers have had talks with uh, the Warriors for him, but they said that giving up the seventh overall pick might be too much for him.
3: Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> then he
2: threw out the idea of he didn't say he said they're looking for front court help. And he said the only name that makes sense for them is probably Miles, but I don't know how they get a deal done with Miles for JK. So just, you know, it's an interesting piece, but yeah, I think seven's too high. And I think uh personally for me, I think a Nimhard for Kaminga trade might make sense for both teams, but I just don't think that it is uh I think both teams would say no to that trade.
3: Does any team value Nimhard higher than the Warriors after he came into the chase center uh, and <laughs> ripped them apart
2: last year? <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's like, I like J.K. I just, I think seven's too much, (laughs) but I also think that uh, he would be a nice piece to throw on this team if you get him on cheap. But he's in the same boat as Duarte a little bit. I think his value is low because of how everything played out in the playoffs and that kind of stuff.
3: He's good. I think he's good. Um, And definitely a position the Pacers need. And if you can get a young wing, I kind of think you got to pursue it in any sorts of way you can, right? Those are extremely hard players to get and yeah I, I i hadn't heard that one yet i haven't really yeah. wrapped my brain around it as i'm talking yeah i mean of course i think if you can get a young wing who has restricted free agency as a backdrop you got to try i mean definitely would be a worthy pursuit and they i believe had duarte interest actually i don't even yeah. believe that i know that uh yeah. in that draft two years ago too so maybe there's something you could
2: what concoct New with New young Smith players who are maybe i don't know Would the pacers give up neesmith for Caminga? i think they should but
3: Ananobi, uh, will I ever, have, he's almost become like the opposite of Miles Turner, where like there's always rumors about Pacers trading Turner to someone else. There's a million rumors about them also trading for Ananobi. Um, no idea how legit they are. And I have a lot of trouble figuring out his trade value myself. Like, is he an expiring contract? What does he want? Where does he want to be? Does he actually get the role he wants if he's on the Pacers? Like, is he, is he gonna have the ball that much more with this team than either of them? Um, That all said, he's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful fit and a very good player. So I don't know exactly what the value is. I've kind of thought like 7 and 26 for Ananobi and 13. Maybe that's close. I don't know, but um, he's wonderful and would fit the Pacers extremely well if they could find a way to make sure they were keeping him more than just this coming year.
2: Yeah, I'll say this before Fachi, go real quick. Sorry, but the other person (laughs) that was mentioned was Jake Fisher uh, said the Pacers recently uh, or at the deadline looked at DeAndre Hunter from Atlanta.
3: Oh, oh! I did read that. I was yeah. super confused by that because his contract was poison pill this past season. So uh, I have no freaking right. He had the rookie extension.
2: So I wonder if because I they had the extra cap space, they could have done it. Could they have handled the, the trade deadline
3: was after Turner, so it would have had to have been before the Turner extension, I guess. Yeah, I wonder that
2: if they could
3: make have that makes sense. I
2: don't know because I
3: saw the poison pill part, and I was like, uh, I mean, I get wanting DeAndre Hunter; he's good and a wing, but that's a really hard trade to concoct unless I'm missing something I buy i again Jake Jake clearly plugged in he got like batted a thousand in free agency last year but that one I was kind of like hmm I'm not so sure if that makes the most sense
4: I would love me some Hunter but yeah great player sorry that yeah Yeah. I don't see that happen as much Kaminga, I do very much think would be available but that trade that you mentioned with OG involving pick 13 i think that makes things a lot sweeter because yeah, yeah. you talked about it It could just be one year with og before he hits free agency and then when you're already talking about slowing it down what's waiting one year keeping pick seven and then being able to sign him outright so right you know who knows they could go that route but kind of the flip side free agency wise what's one or two names that you think the pacers should be interested in let's just say they they draft a you know say a Jarrus. Walker or Taylor Hendricks at pick seven.
3: The winner for me is probably going to be PJ Washington as my fave target this summer, to, uh, depending on who's available. Of course, like, like guys, I understand could be reasonably available. He'd be top. Like if they draft Brandon Miller all of a sudden and keep miles bridges, it's like, Hey, if you're PJ Washington, do you really want to go back there? It'd be the third or even fourth forward. If they have Ubra on that team and maybe they want to make laughs. And I've always thought PJ Washington was pretty good. Uh, Pacers desperately need forwards. He's young. He's talented. He scored like 15-something points a game last year. Can defend, can shoot. Like, good player. Um Restricted free agency makes that tricky. But I used to just say restricted free agent. Write it off. Doesn't matter. But uh, the DeAndre Ayton saga. I, I keep using the word saga. It wasn't that crazy. The DeAndre Ayton uh, Pacers experience last summer means maybe I have to consider it a little bit more now. But I think he'll probably be, uh, to use a football term, QB1, for me of like potentially realistic free agents. Cause like Jeremy Grant is like a bomb fit. Ah, so,
4: yeah,
3: but not a, like, there's no way he's available, right? Like he's a free agent by default more than actuality. So um, yeah, of like guys, I don't have to say all that crazy of things to say that they're available. PJ Washington, probably like other guys are probably better, but less so uh, I think Mark Stein had a little bit on Harrison Barnes today He's good. Certainly, he's played for Carlisle before. He's played with Halberton before. Um, that's all great. He's like in that perfect tier where, like, if you're a contender and you get Harrison Barnes, you're like uh, level up. If you're not a playoff team and you get Harrison Barnes, you become a playoff team. I don't know, but he's good uh, and would definitely make the Pacers better by filling a position of need. So those two, I think, are pretty good potential fits. Kuzma doesn't really fit their defensive bill enough. Ubre has always been one of my least favorite players to watch, but <laughs> would definitely help them. Um, those four names stand out the most. Did I miss anybody significant or obvious?
4: I mean, look, I, no. No, I, I'd say it's pretty good because the rest, I think, would just have to happen through, like, a trade. Like, I've been interested in, like, an Obi Toppin for a long time, but yep. that, that's, you know, I think that would be more through a trade, I would say.
3: Look, Facha, we both – Gave Alex credit for getting Aaron Gordon right, so maybe I have to say Cam Reddish, who I've never been a fan of, but Alex has been in the past. So maybe. Bunch has been a
2: big Cam Reddish, Reddish guy too. That was. Oh.
4: I had a I had a, a run with Reddish for a bit. I think I think a <laughs> lot of Pacer Nation did, and then I think we kind of realized he's gone from team to team, and he was better in Portland. But he I was. do think that ship's kind of sailed a bit, where we're like, eh, you know what, we could do a little bit better than that.
2: I, uh, I was listening back to our draft preview podcast that we did last year just to kind of, like, review it, take some notes so we can do it this year and kind of find some things to tweak that we did. And one of the fake trades that Fauci threw out was Brogdon to New York for Fournier and Cam Reddish in the 11th <laughs> pick. So, you know, it was like – even good.
3: funnier that the Fournier didn't have negative value back then. Like, people thought Bro, he was he, good.
2: He had just set the franchise record for threes <laughs> made for the Knicks. It's like he was yeah. a decent player, and he's just like – anymore. You know, yeah. <laughs> 'cause he was like, we're getting Cam Reddish back too. And I was like, all right, let's do it. You know, because Cam Reddish is one <laughs> no, of those yeah. guys that everybody wanted the Pacers to trade for when he went to New York. So uh no, I was just gonna say Dustin Dopuriak just tweeted this very interesting thing. Uh Jonathan Gavoni just said on Sports that they have Cam Whitmore slipping to the Utah Jazz at nine in their latest mock. Wow. Said that he's not <laughs> the Tony working.
3: East Big Board Proving to be very good <laughs> already. Let's go. Said
2: that he hasn't been doing great in workouts. So that's a little bit surprising. That could shape things up. And I think that could probably mean uh, you see a Min Thompson go four to Houston and Jairus Walker 5 to Detroit, which they kind of said last week was his range 5, 7, or 9. So that'll be interesting there. But when I had Dustin Dopierak on, Fauci wasn't able to join me. I obviously had bigger plans, uh, you know, being a dad and stuff. But I gave him a list of names, and I said, do you think they'll be back next year or not? Uh, he elaborated a lot. I would prefer just like a rapid fire. So I'll okay. just say the name, and you tell me if you think they're back next year or not. Yes or no? That's it? No explanation? That's, yeah, unless you feel like you really need to explain your reasoning on one. Okay. Okay, O'Shea Brissett. No. Chris Duarte.
3: <laughs> Two people. <laughs> uh, I'll go with, yeah, I'll go with, yeah.
2: All right, James Johnson. No. George Hill. Yes. Daniel Tice. Yes. All right. Dang, Jalen. I don't know. Uh, one, like
3: like in the aggregate, probably only one of him or Chris, but I don't know which one, so I okay. guess the odds for both are, are yes.
2: Okay, Jalen Smith. Uh, yes. Buddy Heel. Yes. He's back next year. All right, TJ McConnell.
3: Yeah, I'm probably just gonna say yes to that.
2: like okay, okay.
3: Let's 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 go back in time a tiny bit. I'm ruining the exercise because I'm just saying yes to every player. Like, who is isn't a free agent? Like, I feel like probably one or two guys in the roster at least get consolidated somewhere. Yeah. But there's like a below 50% chance for any individual that it's them. Okay. But the odds of the trade are really high, if that makes sense. So okay. if you like if you did like a group of like Heal Duarte Ty Smith Jackson, um, I I would probably stop Laura. it there. Um, I'd probably stop it there. Like probably two two of those. Would, okay, you might guess, but like individually, I'd be like, yeah, they'll, be, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a better than fifty percent chance, but, um. I, I just did what you didn't want me to do and went a little longer. No, it's
2: all right. It's all right. No, it's a tough <laughs> challenge. I mean, I, I could feel Dustin was very nervous when I asked him that question. He's like, I don't want anybody to hear this and like get mad at me for saying stuff. So he uh, was very like over the top and explaining and not in a bad way, just like wanted to make sure he like explained why he thought someone might be on the move. Uh <laughs> but he was very adamant that he doesn't want Buddy to go because it's Tyrese's best friend and he gives the best story. So he's like
3: I was gonna say that I bet Dustin's reason to buy it the save because talking to Buddy is a blast.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so all right, Fachi, you can ask the next question. Yeah, I had one more thing to yeah. add I can't remember what now,
3: you got? uh oh I was gonna say anybody on an expiring contract you could kind of go okay you know I get it. Uh, so throw Jordan Wara in, I suppose. Yeah, to that
2: mix. I had him on the list. I had Turner on the list as well. I was getting to it. I had like ten guys. The ones that kind of feel like they, <laughs> this kind of
3: speaks to what we've been saying this whole time, where it's yeah. like, just what what's there? You know, does it make sense?
4: The, the Tice salary is a bit more appealing compared to just tossing Noir in in a trade for about four yeah, million dollars. So you know, who knows what happens there? Like, if they want to the long... be good,
3: Tice could play, but like, yeah. I don't... It's so hard to figure out what to make of their backup centers, right?
4: At least I did see him working out with the team. Yeah. So, you know, hey, look, he's already ahead of pace of last year. But one of the players that we talked about before, uh, Jalen Smith, it looks like Jalen Smith has put on some muscle. and He looks great. Do you feel that there's an opportunity for him to have a rebound season? Maybe not be the starting forward they envision. Or do you feel that after they address that position in the draft, it makes it even that much tougher for for Jalen to really be able to, you know, showcase what the Pacers hoped for.
3: I think he has the best chance of their current backup fives at like taking a stranglehold on that spot next year. Uh Tice just because of contractually and age wise, and who knows how well he really fits what they're doing because he played seven games. And I think Smith had a little bit better of a year than Isaiah Jackson uh so i think yeah he's he's got a good opportunity in front of him his shaved head makes him look really buff i've got i gotta admit i don't know if he actually put on muscle or it's just that he has less hair so his face looks skinnier and he just looks huge um <laughs> something's working for him it is it is i actually didn't recognize him like we were we were at the first workout i saw him i, oh, I wish i can't remember which one it was and i was like who is this guy like he was shooting or he was he's just dribbling and i was like that's a, gotta be a player right i could not figure out who it was oh it's jalen smith that sticks um. Yeah, you can't call him Sticks anymore. He's too Jack to be Sticks. Um, <laughs> I know that's not why he's called Sticks. So the thing with Isaiah Jackson to to fold him into this Jalen Smith discussion is like, if they if they don't get as many fours as they want, like he's the best five they have at playing the four, but they haven't explored that very much. So that makes me think they maybe don't believe in it as much as they said they did, or they want to be, be good enough that they don't feel like they have time to explore that, and so. A lot of factors at play, but I think Smith has the best opportunity of their backup five to kind of take control of that spot. And hey, he's got a player option, so uh, kind of a big year coming for him.
2: All right, I don't think I have too many more questions asked, and so we've covered almost everything. But uh, I guess I don't. I don't want to steal this away from your podcast if you're going to do no. this. So just yes. don't answer it if you don't. But uh, bold predictions: Who do you think the Pacers take? Let's just say they walk away with two players in the draft in the first round. What two players do you think they are?
3: I'm not probably going to do that, so I'll answer that. Um,
2: if I were picking, <laughs> or if, if they're What playing. do you think they're doing? Not what you would do. What do you, you think <laughs> they will do? Because what I would do and what they would do probably are not the same. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Um, I'll say Jairus Walker and Andre Jackson.
2: Okay.
3: I guess. It. All right. If I were picking, it would be uh, Jairus Walker and Braden Pajemski. Yeah love that kid he's in my uh top 10 which is pretty nuts wow like, top <laughs> top 10, 10, okay. huh? oh wait wait i just lied to you he's oh. 11 sorry okay. uh, Still. <laughs> than than leonard miller.
2: not so much a lie you
3: know? he is definitely higher than than leonard miller yes he is uh quite a <laughs> it's a
2: position guard. to need though doesn't he Sorta. yeah, yeah he's guard, like a little man. bit too guard but uh yeah i'm quite the fan <laughs> Tony likes combo guards, ladies and gentlemen. No more. Yeah. Wins. This
3: is a rare form for me too. Cause I very, very rarely like combo guards. Like my, like Cante George, I have way lower than everybody else. And
2: I'm Nick, not high on him either. I'm Nick really Smith, not that way
3: lower than everybody else. But, uh,
2: Kobe Bufkin, lower high, uh, medium 18. So where's, where's Jed Howard on your list? Cause I'm not the biggest Jed Howard fan at all. Exactly. 30. Okay. That's where I okay. feel like he's a yeah. late first rounder. I did not like his game. I didn't,
4: him getting the green room invite, a little shocking. Um, Jed I Howard invite... got
2: a room invite. This is news to me. I don't keep uh, up with. Yeah, this, I can't keep I up with. I think like twenty five people have gotten invited though, yeah, so it's not point. as deep as it used to be. Chris Did Will Murray's Levis back.
3: get a green room invite?
4: Uh I've, yeah. Well, I
2: know you slipped. Yeah, I, I, that
4: was that was a <laughs> tough scene to watch. That's what it feels like with Jed Howard in the green room. It's like, oh, do we really want to do this to him? You know, that's but, the first
3: you, good football joke I've ever made. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it was solid, it was solid. But yeah, I mean, initially he was in that batch of like the first 20, so it even felt like a little bit more of like a stretch compared to when they eventually invited a few more. But my last question, you know, since you've been covering the team, do you feel this is the most pivotal offseason that you could re- re- remember with the Pacers being in the position that they're at, with the flexibility to cap, the the number of draft picks, the, the high draft pick at seven, all, all of that factored in?
3: Yeah, potentially so. Pivotal in terms of like setting up their next couple years. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Um, I beat this from a little last season where people were saying, you know, Oh, this is the biggest pacers off season in the next number of years. And I was like, not really. I mean, the yeah, picking six is important, but like that's kind of it. Like everything else is just kind of doesn't matter. Whereas this year, because you have to get to the salary floor too, like they're gonna sign some players. So um, yeah, this is a big, this is a really big off season for them, especially as they charge forward with goals of competing relatively soon it sounds like based on how the players are talking and how the team is talking so yeah very pivotal offseason and probably the second biggest since I started covering the team I would still say first is 2018 after they were one game from beating Bron with the Vic team when it still looked like he could be around for a long time finding the right pieces then and I was very high on that offseason I thought McDermott and Tyreek Evans were great additions and uh, I was wrong but the process was good that got them those players. It just didn't lead to anything.
2: All right, Tony. So we know that you've changed your Twitter handle. It's not @EastNBA. Yeah. East NBA. Kevin Bowen forgot today on the radio. I was laughing. It's <laughs> Tony R East. If you guys are not familiar with that, uh, he's not a fake account. It is actually Tony's new account. And the reason you change it is because you cover more than NBA. And I wanted to ask you, I know I said my last question was the last one, but uh, <laughs> I see your fever shirt in the back back there. And I just got to get an update on the fever. It seems like they've been playing, Quite a bit better. Uh, their first overall pick, Aaliyah Boston, has been pretty awesome. So I wanted to give you just this chance to talk on a Pacers podcast a little bit about the Fever and maybe encourage some Pacer fans to check them out. Uh, yeah, she's like one of the best 10
3: players in the league already. <laughs> she's played 11 games. Uh, she's unstoppable, right? Like, it's it's crazy how good Aaliyah Boston is. She's, she's already getting double teamed. Like, she didn't have the ball and she's getting double teamed. It's insane. Um, and then made the, everybody else better. I like they were so reliant on Kelsey Mitchell last year and some of their other guards, and now Kelsey Mitchell's like complimentary piece level of player, and she's almost a, like a fringe all-star. I thought she was gonna make it last year. They're they're not good still. They'll probably finish eighth or ninth out of the twelve teams. If I had to guess, I'd say ninth. It depends a little bit on if the dream continue to roll like this, but They're clearly much better than last year already, like on pace to win 16 games. Last year, they won five. Uh, They have two dominant players. So now they have like effective lineups that actually like look cohesive and capable. Their new coach is is the opposite of Rick Carlisle in terms of during games. Like Rick stands in one spot and like the most emotion he'll show is leaning back unless he's pissed at a ref. Christy Sides like is like an NFL coach who's like pacing the sideline the whole time and is really animated enjoyable she like smashes her gra- glasses on the ground like once a game um so they're a hoot to watch they have a special talent down low in alia boston and uh the games are a blast of an atmosphere and they've played like nine clutch games in 11 outings so they're gonna be fun to watch uh, i highly recommend people get uh, catch them if they get a chance that was probably too long of an answer and i don't really talked no. about two players but you gotta watch them best best way to watch them is how they're on all their games are on facebook or free if you're in indy Ohio, Kentucky, I believe, because okay. Illinois has the Chicago Sky. Um, and then some are on Bally, some are on CBS, and some are on this is new for the W Ion, which I didn't actually know I had, but it's part of uh the uh, antenna package I have. So I, I, yeah, I was them.
2: gonna say I've seen them on Bally, that's the time I caught them. I haven't watched a ton, I've been watching old seasons of Survivor, so I haven't really been watching any other sports. <laughs> Uh, just finished Exile Island season 12. So I've been working my way through for the last couple months. But uh, Tony, go ahead and plug your podcast and all your work over at uh, uh, Sports Illustrated. I
3: do do my own podcast. You can find it on my Twitter feed. It's not my job to talk about my podcast on a different podcast. It is, Alex. But uh, yes, I talk into a mic for about two and a half hours every week about the Indiana Pacers. If you like this one, maybe you'd like that one, but listen to setting the pace. Um, and yeah, cover the team for SI Pacers. Running uh, things into the ground there. And then uh, warp sports as well. I'm a little behind on my work there. So uh, don't don't be deterred by the fact that there hasn't been a post on uh, the Pacers sports page in 19
4: days. Whoops. Hey Tony, we really appreciate you coming on, keep up the awesome work.
3: Thanks, guys. Great time.
2: Setting the pace, going to the
0: top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop smooth.